If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Healthcare for Humans, hosted by Dr. Sundar, expands our understanding of the history and culture of different communities and how to provide culturally responsive care. There's an episode you should check out where guest Dr. Duran details the systemic barriers faced by individuals with DACA status and highlights the importance of addressing these barriers. Check out Healthcare for Humans on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Iowa to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. This is episode 76 of the podcast. It's hard to believe that it's been almost exactly four years back to August of 2016, which seems like a lifetime ago, that I started to research gear for podcasting and making a general outline of what I wanted to do with this project. I didn't have any formal experience interviewing, but I had done close to 20,000 one-on-one sessions with people in my practice. And I always felt that to be most effective, that the intake should be kind of a continuous process because we are aging, we're, we're going through a lot of experiences, and at times we, we have different needs. So where we start when we're seeking care isn't necessarily what we need forever. And I knew that you know, building this rapport early on and being, being an open and neutral listener was one of my, my biggest strengths. So it, it, it has served me well in, in the podcast. And I was also starting to work on building a network of colleagues, other health professionals that I, that I like to have as, re, as referrers. And that as I was having more and more of these conversations with people and even exploring the idea of, of building a, a health network for my clientele, that these conversations themselves that I was having with colleagues had, had an incredible value. And so I started to realize that this was something I wanted to capture and I, I had always wanted to provide free resource. And so, you know, four years in, I think these, these 76 episodes kind of stand alone as both resource and I, I can even use them as, as referral tools to be able to say, I think this would be a person that you might like to work with and they can hear them speak and have a conversation with me before they decide to, to reach out to them. And, you know, my guest for today's show, Shane Foss, the founder of Hooray Health, is someone who I saw kind of stepping into a very similar space in the way that he was developing a network to provide care for those lacking access and means to quality care. That conversation will be up in in just a moment here. If this is your first time listening to the show, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is a place for you to explore and create your own blueprint for health. Having worked in integrative health for nearly 25 years, I'm acutely aware of how all aspects of our lives come to have an effect on our overall state of being. And it's my hope that through the content and conversations that you get here, you'll be more engaged and empowered personally and in your communities. And I want to thank you, uh, my supporters of this podcast. Your dollars are helping us build more resource and a whole community of health support. And if you appreciate the quality of content that we deliver to you here ad-free, you can support the show right now for as little as $1 a month by going to patreon.com forward slash highway to health. And you can also find a link to that in our show notes here on the app that you're listening to. So the insurance industry, as anyone who's had a health challenge knows, is unnecessarily confusing and nearly impossible to navigate without frustration. With the fragmentation, high premiums, and the lack of transparency and fee-for-service, 
more and more Americans are deciding to go without it. In the most recent April 2020 report, more than 27 million Americans are now uninsured. And with the economic impacts of the pandemic, that number is guaranteed to climb. As Shane Foss, my guest for today's show, explains, one in five Americans will be sent to collections for an unpaid medical bill of less than $600, damaging their credit. Over 65% of all personal bankruptcies in the U.S. are due to unpaid medical debt. With more than two decades in the medical industry, Shane founded Hooray Health in 2018 to provide affordable, basic, and urgent health care alternatives to high-deductible plans. He's managing to build quite a large network that is now in 46 states, all for flat rate services. This conversation begs some big questions, I think, about who's benefiting from the system we now have with premiums that have risen more than 500% in the, in the past decade. It's an important time to question why we continue to, to operate in this way and what we can do to improve this system of care. Please enjoy my conversation with Shane Foss. What is your background? How did you end up in, in a health field in the first place? I grew up in northern Minnesota, and uh, I, uh, I ended up uh, enlisting in the Air Force. And when I was talking to the recruiter, he said, hey, you know what? I have a, I have a good friend that was a, uh, uh, a surgical technologist. And I said, what was that? And he goes, well, you, you basically you assist surgeons during surgery. And I said, you know what? That sounds incredibly interesting. And so, um, you know, my first four years, obviously in the military, what, what did you do there? I was, I was what you call a, um, a surgical technologist. So I assisted surgeons during surgery. So I was scrubbed in, would pass instruments, you know, retract. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, um, it was just a great learning experience because I, uh, I was at Wilford hall, which was the air force's largest medical facility. And we got to see everything. And we were, um, we were a level one trauma center. So I ended up working weekend nights, um, Friday, Saturday night, and then Sunday night. And then I was actually able to go to school, college full time during the week. So really worked out well for me, but it was really interesting because we had a residency program. So, you know, we had orthopedics, ENT, general surgery, you name it, OB-GYN. And so that teaching environment for me as a learner was just, very powerful. And, uh, and I, um, you know, so I, I just really, um, you know, being young and, you know, it's not like I had any place to be right. And so other yeah. responsibilities. So I just really dove in and learn and I learned and, um, uh, just fell in love with that, that space. And so when I, uh, when I graduated college, my wife and I were, um, my, my wife and I got married right before I graduated college. And, um, we, uh, she was, a, she had been accepted to medical school and, uh, I was applying to medical school and, or going to apply for medical school. So we had been married about, I guess, uh, maybe a year or so and, uh, just over a year. And then, um, uh, we found out she was pregnant. So that was very exciting. So, um, I needed to really get a job <laughs> and make yeah, some money. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, she went to medical school. I ended up, uh, working as a medical device sales rep and, it was, uh, you know, it was just, it was a great opportunity. It was a great experience. And, and that's kind of where I started my career and ended up spending most of my career with, a, an organization called Strike Orthopedics, which was a fantastic company. Uh, they 
they were really the market leader. They were in multiple different ways and how they ran their business. And so it was a great learning environment environment for me. Still have some of my closest friends that, uh, you know, are, you know, CEOs. Some of them are still over at, uh, at, uh, Stryker and, and, uh, moved up, you know, running parts of different divisions in Stryker now. So it's been, um, you know, that was a great experience for me. But, um, for me, I, uh, you know, I went to grad school at, uh, Rice and Stryker put me through there and, and it was, um, it really opened my eyes to the bigger and broader opportunities in the world. And I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. And so I left Stryker for a, uh, uh, to go work with the private equity group out of Chicago. And, you know, and that was kind of the, really the start of me getting different experiences in business and, um, whether it was running sales or being the chief operating officer and, and, uh, and then eventually, um, really landed me where I am today, which is, uh, you know, I founded, uh, Hooray Health about four years ago now, it'll be four years in September. And, you know, it was a, um, it was a great experience in the sense that, um, everything that I had done up to that point, you know, all the mistakes I've made, all the things I did right really kind of was a culmination of, of, you know, me tape being, you know, we sold our last company and, uh, and really looking at the market and saying, Hey, you know, what's needed out there and healthcare is broken. Health insurance is broken. Yeah. And, uh, and so identifying this opportunity that, uh, is a pretty significant opportunity in the market and, uh, taking advantage of it. And it seems like from what you were doing before, there there was a, there was an aspect of of your experience that was very observational. Either either like in in going through surgery, you know, just being there, watching the way things were being done, to you know, sales work and that kind of thing. I, I you you get to kind of see the way the whole you know mechanism works, and it's it's pretty. E- I mean, it's it's pretty easy to see probably pretty early on just how, how broken it is, but it seems it, it's just, I mean, I've, I've been in healthcare for 22 years and just watching the process uh, of things kind of slowly unraveling and people basically, uh, on, you know, there, there are different aspects to it. There, there are parts of it that are, I think, broken and very hard to navigate for, for most people. I mean, for people who've been in it even as long as I have, I even still have trouble, you know, figuring out what's covered, what's not, those kinds of things. And there are things like HSA that has, you know, given some option in, in ways that we didn't have access to before. But, you know, I, I know the, the the cost of premiums has gone up like 50% or something in the last 10 years. So what, well, it's, it's, it's gone up, you know, shoot, more than that. I is mean, that it's right? Gone up, oh, yeah, 500%. Oh, my goodness. You know, yeah, I, I think, you know, what's... The way I, I look at it, you know, my wife is a doctor and uh, we, um, you know, we go down to Guatemala every year we have for the last 15 years uh, for a medical mission. And um, it's really interesting because when you look at the differences between Guatemala and the United States, you know, we have access to, you know, fabulous facilities, great physicians. You know, we have access to healthcare no matter what right now. They can they can take everything from you. They can put you in bankruptcy, um, but you've got access in Guatemala. You know, you just you can't go in, right? You can't you can't go get basic things fixed. And then when you go get you, you do go in, you know there is a huge discrepancy in 
the level of care that you'll receive. The biggest disconnect I see in healthcare is that when you look at it from a physician or a clinician standpoint, they have no idea financially what's in it for them. And what I mean by that is if I go in and, and um, see an orthopedic surgeon and he needs to, let's just say he needs to set my forearm bone that I, I just broke. Yeah. He's not thinking, okay, I'm going to charge a hundred bucks for this. I'm going to charge 200 for this. I'm going to blah, blah. Literally to them, it's okay. This is what I need to do to fix it. This is how, here are the options, right? Yeah. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to do the best thing for the patient. And then they worry about the finances on the back end, right? Right. And from then when you come to the business side or the insurance side of it, right, it's, it's a completely different animal. There's this game that's played that, you know, well, they, they build $10,000 for this, but they really expect 500 bucks. Right. <laughs> right, right. And, and I mean, and it's just, and it's, it's gotten so convoluted and, and just perverse that really the beauty of medicine has been ruined because, you know, the reality is, look, if you go in and ask a physician, pretty much any physician, Hey, what's this going to cost from a cash standpoint? Mm -hmm. They're going to, they're going to tell you, Oh, just pay me 150 bucks or a hundred, but you know, and if you got that bill at the insurance company, it's going to be 1200 bucks. Yeah. Right. And it's just so ridiculous where we've gone. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about lump sum negotiation at this point. Like, you know, every, every, every situation and every, you know, institution within that has, you know, you know, people basically dealing with those, those, all, all the, the numbers part of this. And as, and as people paying premiums, a lot of times we have to go back, we have to, you know, contact someone and challenge things. And, you know, sometimes it still doesn't get resolved. And, you know, yeah. I, we, we, my, you know, me and my family have moved to much more of a, we have we have certain things that are sort of covered through our insurance plan, and we have some dental, you know, coverage. But basically, we max fund our our HSA, and yeah, so we we have absolutely. lower premium. And you know, it's it's the interesting thing is that it it almost makes these these individual practitioners their own you know their own business rather than being sort of part of something that's that is invisible that they that they don't really know about and it's not that they're bad doctors sometimes they just have no idea what's going to happen on that back end so no. just like you're saying sometimes if i go in and i say i really want to have uh, you know an mri done or i want to have some sort of procedure done or a dermatology appointment i can just ask what it is straight up front and say that i'm going to pay out of pocket through my hsa and the cost is oftentimes so much less than these bills that I end up getting when I was paying, when I was going through my insurance company. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I, so the reason I started hooray was I literally, I went into this urgent care and my back had seized up. I'd never had a back issue in my life. Yeah. And all of a sudden my back is seized. And I mean, it's, it was the most excruciating pain I'd ever had in my life. This, this is what I treat daily, so I, I know it well. Oh, is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And so, so I, I go in, and uh, they we had a seventy-five dollar copay, and we had one of the major insurers, and uh, and so I asked them. I said, "Hey, what's the global fee? What what am I going to get paid because I haven't hit my deductible?" And they're like, "Oh, yeah. it'll be one hundred fifty dollars." So I was like, "Okay, perfect." So I pay them one hundred fifty dollars for the visit. I get an x-ray in my neck. They, they think they see a bone spur, you know, C4, C5, irritating my nerve roots. So they give me yeah. two injections, an anti-inflammatory, right? And then a muscle yeah. relaxer. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so I go home, didn't help. But uh, anyway, 
three weeks later, um, I get an $800 balance bill. And I call him up and I said, wait a second, why am I getting an $800 balance bill? Well, you know, there's carve outs in the contract and yeah, you paid 150, but it wasn't really a global fee because there's carve outs, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, it, it's so ridiculous because that injection literally cost $5, right? Right. It's, you know, no, you got to put in risk and accountability, you know, all these things. I get it. But the reality is why, why does it have to be like that? And so I literally went out and I've got flat rates with every urgent care and, and retail clinic in the United States. And there's no balance bill in my provision in my contract. Huh. And, you know, and we have almost 4,000 participants now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, we have the biggest names. And so it's not hard to do. It's just, it, well, it, it is very challenging to do that. But my, but the concept is not foreign to these guys, right? As long as you're paying them, right? Yeah. Uh, and paying them on time and they're not fighting for everything. Right, but, um, right. That's, that's know, huge. But, but what's crazy is the MRI. So I, I go into the physician's office. And um, he says, hey, look, Shane, you need to really get an MRI because, you know, we think X. And I, so I go to schedule the MRI and I look at the lady and I said, hey, how much how much is this going to run me? Oh, yeah, you haven't hit your deductible. Uh, it's going to be forty five hundred dollars out of pocket. And I was like, I was like, you know what? Just I'll pay cash. And she goes, oh, that's <laughs> smart. Guess what? Guess what I the know. amount was? How much? Guess what? Three hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. But do you want to you want to hear the kicker? The kicker was she said, well, can you go tonight at 7 p.m.? And I said, yeah, why? She goes, oh, it's only 300 bucks then. Wow. So it, it, it's absolutely ludicrous that we we have to have that disparity. Because guess what? If I wouldn't have paid that 4,500 bucks, they would have sent me to collections. It could right, have ruined right, my credit. Right. And, and it's just, you know, it's just unintended consequences for playing a game. And the problem is, it's like me playing one-on-one -on -one with LeBron James, right? I'm going to get killed every time. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, yeah. the bottom line. And so, you know, it, it's just, we're the, the, it's already stacked against us, right? The game's stacked. One in five Americans are sent to collections every year for an unpaid medical bill, less than 600 bucks. I yeah. mean, yeah. It, it's, it's not like we're talking 10, 20, 30,000. We're talking less than 600 bucks. Right. You know, majority, what is it, 66.5% of all bankruptcies now, personal bankruptcies are due to medical-related yeah, bad debt. Yeah, I've heard that too. It's just a challenging time for us right now. So so, so, what did you see in the system? I mean, what, what was it that you saw that made you, I mean, you, I, I've been a little bit in, this, in the startup world and I know how challenging it is. So what is it that made you think that you could, you know, solve part of this problem and, 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 get, and, and start Hooray Health? Honestly, it's because I knew providers, uh, you know, look, you yeah, have bad yeah, providers yeah. and you have good providers, right. but I would like any other, I, I would say, you know, 99% of your providers want to do the right thing. They want to be able to provide the right care, but they need to get paid. So understanding that I really did a lot of research and talked to a lot of the providers and said, Hey, if I, if I was getting a fixed rate contract, what you know, what's fair to you, what's fair to the member, because we got to worry about, you know, keeping the pricing right, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so I worked with them on it and I got their buy-in. And what's funny is what worked with the providers I talked to worked with every other provider. We're in 46 states right now, yeah. right? Yeah. It, you know, so it worked across the board for everybody. One of the, I think, the most valuable lessons I've learned in the business world is just 
value, valuing your partners, right? Right. Exactly. Being honest and just saying, Hey, look, if we don't get it right, we don't, don't think that we got to cancel a contract. Let's, let's talk through it. Let's figure it out and what works, right? There's got to be a happy medium. Yeah. And by doing that, you know, they're much more open to taking a chance and, you know, growing the business. And so, you know, it's, it's a huge opportunity in the market. And, and as you, you know, the statistic is, I think it's 165 million Americans, you know, in 1985 were covered by major medical under their employer. Mm-hmm. It's actually 164 million today. And think of the population growth right. since 1985. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. I mean, so there's obviously there's this huge disparity. Yeah. You look at, um, you know, you look at what a, an average family to cover themselves under major medical is today with, a you know, one of the major carriers, you know, you're looking at $2,000 plus per month. Well, I don't know about you, but $2,000 a month goes a lot towards, you know, whether your home, your car and stuff that you're not even going to get because, you know, you're going to have a ton of money. Yeah. You're going to have a 15,000 max out of pocket, right? So add that to the $28,000 you're spending, you know, geez, Louise, you're spending 50 grand. Yeah. And and oh, by the way, there's still all the little gotchas. And so, um, you know, we've been at a tipping point for a couple of years and I think there's a lot of people looking at alternatives right now. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a really good time to be an entrepreneur in healthcare, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, and I'm sure you you have some thoughts on this, but it seemed it seemed as though what what was going on during the the battles that went on during the Obama administration, as far as healthcare was concerned, were trying to you know there. I think there were a lot of things being introduced to try to you know engage part of what you're trying to do. Um, but but it just it was not going to go far enough, and I and I think there were just too many big interests involved to for it to go that direction. You know, the, it was it was the it was the big players that were basically kind of fighting this, right? Well, actually, the big players were were told you're going to do it, and this is it. Okay. And so the big the big players, you know, what you know, they're they've got enough money, time, energy, and you know, they're, they have really smart people that work for them, right? They're going to figure it out and they're going to win. And so what happened was you had the, you know, Obama where they weren't listening to common sense, which is you cannot limit the profitability of an organization, a business, right? You can't. Right. So what, what does that inherently do? So now that changes the dynamic for the carriers to where, okay, well, look, if I, if, if my expenses are a billion and I can make 20% of that, I would rather do that than save money. Right. Right. So there's no incentive to drive the cost of healthcare down. And so the unintended consequence from Obamacare was to drive the premium costs up. And so by mandate, making it mandatory that everybody had major medical, well, that should have, you know, that should have brought all the healthy people in. Well, Yes and no, but you gave them these ways out to have minimum essential coverage or minimum right. value plans. Well, so what are people going to do? They're going to go to the minimum value plan because or minimum essential coverage, the MEC, because it's only forty dollars a month as opposed to 
you know, $500 a month. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, you can't, you can't change the income disparity in the United States by, you know, by offering these different levels of plans. And I mean, it's just because who's, who's poor, right? So you've got young people like, you know, look, I mean, when I was, when I was 20 years old, I was making, you know, $14 an hour, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, cause basically that's what you made it enlisted in the military. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so I, I was technically, I was poor, right? So could I, could I afford $400 a month for major medical? No. Right. So what does that mean? What am I going to do? I'm going to buy the, you know, the lower price plan. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, you know, it's, um, you, you look at, you know, whether you're Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever, it doesn't really matter. I think right. the, you know, when you look at, there's certain interests that want to see Medicare for all, but there it's really a pipe dream. And the reason it's a pipe dream is because the, the cost today, Medicare is already, you know, going broke, right? right. They can't control cost today. So by adding the rest of the America on it, how they think that that all of a sudden will will change, I have no idea. But the other thing is when you look at all the examples they use, you know, Canada, England, it's a two tier system there as well. Major medical or uh, major employers offer major medical to their employees as a competitive advantage. And so, you know, when you're in England, if you're on the government health system, you're going to wait three months for an MRI if you think you tore your ACL. If I have insurance, guess what? I'm getting in the next day to get it. Right. So it, it, it's, you know, no matter what, I, I think that we're looking yeah, there, at Yeah, there are problems wrong. all over the place with it. I don't think that's a, the, a, a final fix either to have that. I mean, I think, right. I mean, I, I, that's why I was curious to talk to you because there's, there's an approach that you've made here that's similar to what I was exploring, which was I was really looking more about uh, looking more at the providers um, getting better referrals. Part of those referrals, though, is like getting paid for the appointment. <laughs> you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's a big part of it. And, and they want to know how much they're getting paid. But they also want to be, be addressing the kinds of things that they're best at. You know, so many doctors yeah. end up basically just processing, you know, at least half of the people that, that come through. They're, they're not really the right person for them to see. And, mm-hmm. you know, how do you, how do you speed up that process? I mean, that, that also improves care, um, but it also saves the, the patient money. And yeah. so it's interesting that you you got into the into that space through you know really looking at who these because because everyone's looking for a good provider and and you know I think there's what most people end up doing is kind of you know asking their friends and family for for oh, referrals yeah. a lot of times but that's not always the best way to to get a good referral I actually think because you know I'm I'm in this the the best referrals come from your your already trusted network of of health professionals you know if you have a a, a primary care person and, you know, it could be somebody in, in, it could be your acupuncturist and your massage therapist and your dermatologist yeah. between all of them. If you were to ask, you know, those four people, who, who should you go to for, you know, some specific type of care, they might already have a good referral, you know, even if they're right. in kind of different, different types of care, you know, the, the health, these, these health networks are pretty small. People know who the good people are basically. And well, it's, but- it's kind of what you're organizing on some level. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I think even let's take it a step farther. Here's the reality. The reality is my PCP has no idea how good 
my general, you know, the general surgeons are because he's never operated with them. He, he's not looking at his outcome data. Now, he may look at it as, hey, I've sent, I've sent patients to these three doctors and this one I've never had a complication with. Yeah. I think that's more legit. But here's the reality. We have enough clinical data to where we can efficiently analyze the effectiveness of surgeons, but it doesn't go, it doesn't get shared. And mm. that's, to me, you know, when you look at, if, if you said, hey, Shane, I want you to fix healthcare tomorrow. I think there's a couple things. I think you've got to openly share all of the clinical data because, um, you know, the tide, all boats rise with the tide, right? Yeah. So what, ha- what, what I've seen, you know, with my prior company, when uh, we were, we were, we focused on bundled surgeries, what happens is if, if I'm in an orthopedic group and we share all of our outcome data, which is, you know, Hey, who's, who's had complications, who's staying in the hospital for five days versus three days, who's, you know, all of these, you know, myriad of, of issues. And I see that my patients are not doing as well as Dr. X. It's not a, it's not a shame thing. Like, Oh, we got to stop. You know, we, we've got to get this guy out of our practice. It's, right. How do we get this guy to start looking at what we're doing differently? And you've got two aspects of life, right? You've got the you've got the clinical side of life, and you've got the hey, I know a doctor kind of people, right? Yeah. And oh, she's the best surgeon I've ever. You know, I, I know her. She's a personal friend. Okay, have you ever operated with her? Have you ever been in the surgery with her? No, you have no idea, yeah. right? So, so yeah, she may be a great person, but she may be a horrible surgeon, and so. I think we've got to get that aspect addressed you know, that would be the first thing. Second thing is there has to be, there has to be fixed pricing based on contracts. So in other words, to me, you as a hospital, right. Or a physician, we, we should, there should be, okay, let's just say 150% of Medicare. So Medicare pays a dollar. We'll pay a dollar 50. That's mm-hmm. what we're paying now. If there's a complication, that surgeon does not get paid. But why does the hospital get paid? We need to get that standard because right now I can literally go across the street and get charged five times what what I'm getting paid over here, right? So there's and, and so there's no transparency in pricing. It, it, it literally I should be able to say, okay, this doctor here's their ratings, right? They they've done a thousand total knees this year. They've had a complication rate of you know, 1.2, here's, you know, all, all of their ratings. And I should be able to say, wow, this, this person is a great surgeon on all these levels. I want to schedule an appointment and oh, by the way, it's going to cost me X. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, because there's, you know, the, the problem is there's, there's, there's so much extra baggage in the health system today that, you know, I'm just, it's, it's a pipe dream to think it's ever going to happen. But I, I just, you know, it's, if you think about all the people's lives, <laughs> livelihood that's, you know, built around this inefficiency yeah. right now, if oh, it became yeah. efficient, you know, we would have a, a pretty, pretty large unemployment issue. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. And, but, you know, the, I, I think on some level, if we fix some of these problems, though, it'll build back in different types of, of jobs. I mean, you know, yes. one of the things I'm, I'm curious to, to get your opinion on is, 
is, you know, there, do we, do you think that we need to have, you know, someone in the system who's like, I mean, to, to change some of these things, I mean, in some ways it seems like what you're addressing really is like someone who's like a health advisor or coordinator or advocate or manager or whatever you want to call them for either or both you know, obtaining insurance and for navigating and navigating the complications of of billing and and you know even figuring out if if someone's going to you know be covered by your insurance plan you know from the beginning i feel like we're 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 having to you know navigate all that and try to figure out if this person really makes sense to you know go through surgery with yeah well again i think you're now we're layering on another you know another ancillary cost to the uh, to the benefits, right? I, I think that we we've created this system to have somebody navigate and to look and do the research and find that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, where we're at today, it certainly makes sense. Um, I, I'm a real simple guy in the sense that I'm probably not the smartest guy, but um, to me. I don't understand why we even have to, you know, have networks. Why don't you just have fixed pricing? Yeah. Every in, every insurer, hey, you have a two thousand dollar deductible. It, this deductible, I don't care where you go because we're paying everybody the same, right? Right. If there's if there's additional value, so let's say uh, surgeon X has his outcome data is through the roof, and he's he's technically the best surgeon on the planet. Well. He can he can say, all right, everyone, yeah, you can come to me, but you you, you know your insurance company will pay a thousand dollars, but I I charge two thousand, so you need to pay a thousand dollars. It's upfront. Yeah, this is it, and there you go. Um, the uh, you know healthcare in itself is is you know it, a couple couple things would be pretty easy to fix, um, but you know again. I think from an incumbent standpoint, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, a lot of money in the lobbyists to keep it as complicated as possible. Right. Right. And that's sort of what I was getting at earlier. And I, and, you know, my career has on some level been built on the fact that things are so complicated just because I, I, I don't take insurance. I'm able to take HSA mm-hmm. and I, I've kind of created a, a, a way of, of treating, you know, I, I work as a, as a body worker, manual therapist, but I also have done uh, functional movement work and I've worked, you know, closely both with surgeons and PTs. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times I'm able to sort of deal with some of these complicated things, you know, instead of someone having to go to an ER. I'm able to oh, sort yeah. of like settle what's going on in someone's system. You know, if it, you know, a lot of times someone's been through a, a stressful time period and their back, you know, flares up or goes through something, I'm able to sort of help them manage that and then re-educate, you know, them yeah. and help them figure out how to, you know, manage this on their own in the future. And I'm so much cheaper than, oh. than you know, and, and so a lot of people, you know, if you, if you have a certain income level, you know, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that much. You, you can come to see me for a couple of sessions and get back on track. And then, you know, I become sort of a touchstone person for you over a long period of time that you can always rely on if there's, you know, if something else co- comes up that's orthopedic or, you know, stress related in nature. Th- that just yeah. doesn't exist for most people. And and then, you know, that was part of the reason why I started trying to build some relationships, you know, within healthcare, sort of across lots of divisions of care, because there was there was a growing need. But the the problem I always run into with that is, you know, I think somebody might need surgery 
and then you know how, how do they navigate that that first part of like you know it's really there's there's this huge leap where they're not you know they they've done some MRIs or X-rays they they're not quite sure whether or not surgery is really right. the answer. And you can go for a little while through that. And then when it gets to a point where it's like, this this is affecting my lifestyle, I should probably get surgery, figuring out what that cost is, you know, just straight, straight from the beginning. Right. Well, I, you know, the other part of it is, so to me, you your, your field is the most underrated field in medicine. So, um, you know, I had recently, I've had these lower back spasms. Yeah. And, um, and so I go to a gentleman who's a rolfer, yeah, right? Yeah. Probably similar to similar to what you're doing. Yeah. But, um, you know, and it's, it's amazing to me. I, I went to him for, I had, uh, I was playing basketball and I ended up with jumpers knee. Yeah. I go to him, you know, you go to the orthopedic surgeon and what, what, you know, they're going to inject you with steroids and they're going to, you know, you're going to wear a knee brace and, you know, a patella, patella tendon brace. Yeah. Well, with him. One one treatment, he's released all of my, you know, all of my um, fascia, connective right? tissue he, stuff. That's that's yeah, all my pulling you into stuff. a pattern. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, those are the things that um, you know they don't teach you in medical school, right? right? So, so me as a as a lay person, how do I find you, right? How do I, you know, how do I go in and see you? What do I see? I go in. Oh, go see an orthopedic surgeon or go see a spine surgeon, right? Yeah. Your back hurts. Yeah. Then you go in and then they're like, oh, well, yeah, I see you have a little arthritis here. We we'll probably need to fuse you. Well, whoa, wait a second. I haven't, I haven't done yoga. I haven't done anything yet. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, um, it, it's, uh, it's hard because, you know, an orthopedic surgeon or a, um, uh, spine surgeon is probably not, uh, going to refer a patient to you. Right. So, so if there was a single payer type system, would do you, do you think there would be some some potential for people in in sort of integrative fields to become involved a little bit more? If if we're just talking straight payment, you know what 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 justification? I mean, if if I mean, if you look at the numbers of uh, and how much money people are spending on you know alternative therapies right now, right. Why, why wouldn't that work? <laughs> I'm just I'm just I, curious. I, look, I, I, Ideally, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that, you know, in a way, some insurance companies have done this where, um, and then there was a group uh, called Compass, actually out of Dallas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know them. Yeah, really good organization. And what they would do is you would call in and say, hey, I've got lower back problems. They're like, okay, let's, why don't we start off with, you know, a chiropractor or uh, Rolf or whatever, Rolfing, whatever. Yeah. And take a look at that see what, see what's going on first and then try the non-surgical approach. Yeah. And, and look, there's some, there's some spine surgeons, 100% would say, absolutely. I think you need to do this first. Do yeah. not, you do not need surgery. A, a growing and, number, uh, a growing number of them. I think they're, I think they, they want to be successful too. Right. It's, uh, it's hard because, um, you know, the government, you know, if the government dictates, Hey, you need to go see, you know, this person first, then they're like, Oh, they're telling us what we have to do. And then what happens if I end up paralyzed because, you know, I did have a, I did have a slip disc or I had an eroded disc that I should have gotten an extra, you know, I should have gotten an x-ray first. I should have gotten an MRI and I needed a, I truly needed a fusion. Right. So those are, t- 
to me, those are always the issues that you're going to run into because you're going to run into bureaucracy, right? Yeah. But um, I think it's a huge opportunity. I, I mean, I, I think that, um, uh, you know, anytime you can centralize services and education, um, you're going to have a, uh, a better chance at edu- actually truly educating people on, on uh, care. But, you know, I think it's a good opportunity. So, so let's let's go back to to Hooray Health for a second, because I'm so I'm curious because your your focus has been kind of on underserved populations, and and really dealing more with just basic and and urgent care needs, right? I mean, isn't that kind of mm-hmm. what you're you're focused yep, on? Absolutely. So, so I mean, it seems in in some ways, you know, be, partly because you know I th- I, th- I can't remember what the what the percentage is, but the number one reason that people go to urgent care is actually for back problems. So for back pain, usually. So, right. you know, imagine, I mean, this is what I, this is your realm, so you can probably speak to it more than I can because I don't, I don't know the insurance side of this as much. But if, if, someone, if someone, you know, has access to this, this kind of a network, which is, I mean, is, is that, how, how do you explain what, you're, what you've been developing and what you kind of want to, you know, build out of this? Are, are, is, it, is it that network and people knowing sort of from the, from the start what the cost will be for that session so that they know they can go see a person for, for a problem? Yeah, absolutely. So it's the number one goal for us is providing safe access to a provider where you know that it's going to cost you $25 and there's no balance bill. Right. When, when we're talking to this population, um, you know, it, it, every employer has the same story. Literally they have the same story. My employee came in, was obviously sick. I told them to go home go stop by the urgent care retail clinic on the way home, get a prescription, you know, stay in bed for a day, come, come back. They always say, look, I don't have insurance. I can't afford it. And, you know, they go home and then they suffer for a couple extra days. And then, you know, look, they recover, but they don't, they, they just don't have that comfort to go in to see a provider because it's a financial issue for them. Yeah. And, um, you know, and you know, as well as I do that some of that stuff ends up becoming pneumonia, right? It gets down in their lungs. You know, that to me is, is really scary when you're making a life and death decision based on money like that. I mean, it's there, we're putting these people in a very difficult position. And so, you know, we really, we don't worry about long-term financial stability, right? Yeah. You know, our, our client is really worried. How do, how am I going to get to the end of the week and pay rent? And, and we're very, this is who we focus on, right? This is our client. Yeah. And, um, so we really provide short-term financial stability where, you know, we have a low cost plan that allows them to get their basic care needs, uh, met. And when you look at it from a, uh, even a, you know, if I'm a single parent, I can get my kids in and get them into, you know, for their checkups or immunizations and, uh, you know, if they're sick and I can get them in and not worry about, you know, this huge, enormous balance bill. It's really important. So, so how did you, how did you convince or, you know, <laughs> negotiate, I should say, probably with, with some of these providers? Cause clearly this is like a lot less than they would probably get paid. Otherwise, is it because they, you're sort of gap filling their business a little bit? Is it because they, they get paid directly and don't have to deal with the, the paperwork of, of insurance? And what, what, how did you get, how did you end up doing that? Well, so we, um, what we did was, 
we're, we actually pay a, a good rate. We have a couple different levels that we pay. And, um, and so the big thing for them was we guarantee payment in a certain amount of time mm-hmm. and we drive our volume to our contracted providers. We have a mobile app. We have 24 hour medical concierge, plus we have telemed. So, you know, so they've got access to, um, you know, to this large group of yeah, employee base, right? And the other thing is they they write off a lot of that business because that population comes in for care and, you know, they're stuck with the bill and they don't pay it. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're, we're expanding their market, um, focusing on marketing them, really, you know, yeah. via our mobile app. And, uh, and so it's, it's good for everybody. It's a win-win. And, you know, I will say it. Providers in general, um, you know, they just want to take care of patients, right? It's, it's true. They want, to keep, yeah. they want to keep their doors open. You know, my wife's an anesthesiologist. She's never come home and said, oh, I didn't get paid on this. I didn't get – she doesn't care. Yeah. She's yeah. she's focused on how do I keep the patient alive? What's going to be the best mode of, you know, mode of care for this patient? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they this is – that's not how they operate. And so, um, you know, so – from a provider standpoint, you know, they've been, uh, they've been really good and, uh, you know, great partners. So, so are you, are you also developing relationships with employers then who are looking for care? I mean, I I can imagine, especially, I mean, I've been a small business owner. I know how hard it is to like, you know, when you have, if, if you're a small enough business where you can't, you know, help afford, help people afford care, or, you know, at, at, during, during this period of time in, in particular where, you know, like say restaurant, you know, workers, that's been something that people are starting to build into their, into their employees, um, you know, through, through, you know, extra percentage on, on the bill and that kind of thing. There's a lot of people that are at this point going to be really lacking care. Yeah, absolutely. Or access. So we, so we focus on really the jumbo employers right now. We, um, uh, but we started with the small employer and, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, challenges on the small employer side. So we're, we're trying to address that, uh, by, uh, doing some other things, but we work with, um, you know, large employers that want to offer their part-time or hourly workforce, yeah. uh, a solution. And, you know, especially with COVID, you know, a lot of, you know, you look at some of the larger, largest employers, uh, got a lot of flack with COVID because, um, their part-time employees did not have access to even telemedicine. Right. Right. And so, um, so we've gotten a lot of attention. I think that we've got, uh, you know, a lot of momentum going into 2021 where we're going to be able to help a lot of people. And, and it seemed as though we were going pretty heavily into a more gig economy type of thing. You know, are, are those people going to be people who would have access to this as well? I mean, or do they have to do they have to get this through an employer? So we're working on that right now. Um, we are uh, we're working on an individual plan that we would be able to sell through um, a couple different uh, um, electronic uh um, groups that where you would be, um, where you'd be able to, you know, log on and shop and, you know, buy the appropriate level plan for yourself. So we are working on that right now. And, uh, we expect to have that out probably 
mid-year next year, maybe mid to late 2021. And, and I imagine it probably is not going to be as as I mean, it's it, when you're working with these jumbo corporations, they they can they, they can, you know, put more into the pot to start out with. So I'm sure they get a better rate. But is it still sure. is it still going to be somewhat in the same range? Um, it'll be a little bit more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. By the by the nature of the you know, because the uh, the demographics change as well. But uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a, a, a very um uh, affordable option. Are there, are there any uh, other places in any other, you know, uh, areas that you kind of want to develop into or is there anything you can share at this point? <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we're, um, we are expanding, um, doing some other things to, uh, round out, uh, getting in, uh, with surgical options. Right. And mm-hmm. so where we can, um, where we can offer some affordable surgical, uh, options and um, that way, you know, one of the one of the trends that you'll see right now is that because the plans have gotten so expensive, even the full time hourly, they've you know really priced themselves out of that full time hourly. So uh, we're you know we're working on some other uh, other product designs to address that market and uh, help that market out. And, you know, everything that we do is going to be focused around cost containment, transparency, and then, uh, you know, access to care. That's, that, that's what we, that's what we focus on. And, uh, I think, you know, it's funny as we, we looked at, um, some alternative networks as well. How do we educate on, you know, on stuff like what you're doing and, and, uh, getting into, uh, different markets that way. And, uh, so I think over the next three years, you know, you're going to see, a uh, us evolve into, um, really, yes, we'll, we'll, um, you know, we'll have the insurance products, but really more of an education and, uh, guiding, guiding the discussion of, Hey, where's appropriate level of care? What are we doing? We're looking at some new partnerships that, um, that we'll be able to, drive, uh, you know, drive people to the appropriate level of care using AI technology. And so, I mean, it's, yeah, there's a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon for us. I I agree. I mean, I just think even, even with, I think we're learning a lot from, from what we can actually accomplish at a distance during COVID. And I I think it's with what you're talking about with education and just you know the, the the telecare stuff that you can do, the things that you can either visually see by looking at somebody on a screen, or the information that you can get, you know, gathering. I, I think there's just so much potential there that we, you know, and and you know what a lot of. I mean, this is going to change the face of a, a lot of businesses, right? I think the, the the amount of space that we've needed for care in terms of clinics and hospitals and stuff may mm-hmm. may start to go down, and that's going to also change. You yeah, know, probably costs oh. eventually. Well, just look at all of the, whether it's your glucose monitoring, you've got blood pressure cuffs, um, you've got uh, um, uh, scales, um, you've got your uh, uh, pulse oximeters. All of those are connected now to where as a physician for a basic checkup, I don't even have to, I mean, I don't have to have, you know, 10,000 square foot office to manage that, right? Right. I can literally do that via, Hey, I'm, I'm downloading your information. I mean, I can literally just with my Apple watch, right. I can download all of my EKG data for the last, 
you know, and look at it just for the last week and see where I've been. Yeah. And, you know, I can monitor weight. I can, you know, all of those things where, you know, it historically, you know, you had to, you know, you had to drag your butt out, go fight traffic, get in there, you know, you wait and, yeah. and to talk to the physician for, you know, you know, it's, it, you, you, your appointments at 9 a.m., but you don't get seen till 1030. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's interesting times because with COVID telemedicine has really, you know, we've always seen the potential, but now, you know, it's, you know, people are accepting it. They're yeah. accepting the fact that they can feel comfortable looking at a person on a phone, talking about what's going on and just getting a prescription called in. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the next, next five years is going to be very transformative, uh, for, you know, especially, chronic diseases and chronic disease management. I think you'll see it. It'll be a a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, this is, this is great. I'm so glad I got to talk to you about all this stuff. This is, I, 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 and I, you're in the right space right now, as far as I'm concerned. That's why I wanted to talk to you. I feel like this is, this, this is, you know, where things are, are, are heading. And, and I think just given, given the situation with COVID and and unemployment and the number of people that are going to be in need of some just basic care. I mean, there's a lot of questions about still even right now about what's, what's, you know, covered through, you know, hospitalization with COVID and all these things, you know, oh I know it's, it's, it's such a mess. So, you know, I mean, I, I also think that there just needs to be more, more dialogue. I think people, you know, I'm, I'm trying to gear this podcast both towards health professionals and people just, you know, interested because I think we're all, like I was saying earlier, I think we're, we're at a point certainly right now where we, we have to advocate for ourselves. We have to understand, you know, the, the, the decisions that we're making around our own care. So this is, this is a huge one. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you uh, inviting me to be on the podcast. Enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, you too, Shane. Shane Foss, folks. I got into the field of integrative care and self-care education because as an uninsured person myself in my mid-20s, I was struck with a two-year bout of chronic back pain, and I wasn't able to get coverage at the time because I was a part-time worker and couldn't afford the cost of even the lowest rate premiums. And once I found coverage, I was still left with so many unanswered questions that led me to paying for visits that I later found my plan didn't cover. Being uninsured is stressful, and even having insurance doesn't guarantee coverage. And the lack of transparency in cost is a huge factor for most of us who don't know whether our health challenge will sink us financially. How can we be healthy as a society if so many of us are allowing our health to go into decline simply because we can't afford even basic care? This is a huge problem that needs to be solved, and I believe we can do it, and we need to make it a priority. Hooray Health is not a one-size-fits-all plan, but what I think Shane has zeroed in on here is simply a way to cover a basic need affordably that works for all parties involved. And as we recover from the social and economic impacts of the pandemic, it'll be critical for thought leaders to step forward with solutions for essential needs in healthcare. And it's an important time for us as consumers to use our collective voice to challenge the limitations being offered to us. It will take effort, as we discussed in this conversation, and as Shane explained, it doesn't have to be complicated. Let me know what you thought of this topic in conversation. You can always reach me at jeremy at highway2.health. And if you found uh, some important information here or think it's a timely conversation, don't forget to share it with anyone else you think might like to listen. 
And if you're interested in learning more about Hooray Health, check out hoorayhealthcare.com and you'll find a link in the show notes. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Healthcare for Humans, hosted by Dr. Sundar, expands our understanding of the history and culture of different communities and how to provide culturally responsive care. There's an episode you should check out where guest Dr. Duran details the systemic barriers faced by individuals with DACA status and highlights the importance of addressing these barriers. Check out Healthcare for Humans on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.